I said it in the earlier service, and it was a different set of songs, but so many times when we come together to worship and praise God, after the time of singing is done, I feel like I have nothing else to say. The gospel has been preached. The good news has been shared. If you listen to the words that you're singing, the words that are up on the screen, the good news has been preached. So we'll continue our time of sharing and learning this morning uh, through my message. So if you'll bow with me, let us pray. Beloved God, we give you thanks for the good news that we hear in the words of those songs, that you are our Savior, that we are forgiven. Dear God, I pray that you will be with me now as I share a message, that you will open our hearts to hear your words. Take me out of the equation. Let your word be heard in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, my name's Bobby Cullen. I'm one of the executive pastors here at Lighthouse Fellowship, and it's my privilege to come and share with you this morning. Our lead, pastors, uh, lead pastor, Frank Briggs, is on a little time away on vacation with family in Arizona, and I looked up the score. He went to see the uh, Arizona and Texas Tech game last night because that's his alma mater is Arizona, and who, oh, we have the Tech fans right here. I see, I see the sad faces on there. That Tech lost last night, so I'm sure Frank is just floating on clouds now that they, they won. But, but he's got you know, to control that a little bit because his wife, Chrissy, went to Tech. So there was a little rivalry in the, in the marriage last night. Um, but we pray for safe travel for them as they uh, enjoy time with family. His, his dad's out there in Tucson as well, so he'll be with his dad and his sisters for a few days. Um, today, I want to talk about family. Uh, Frank spending time with family and um, I want to ask you to start thinking of some images in your mind and what's your idea of a family. Here's a picture of my family. It was taken a couple years ago at my parents' 50th wedding anniversary party. Uh, you may recognize them because they are part of our church family. They're actually here in this service, I believe. There they are sitting in the back, mom and dad. Uh, this was a couple years ago, and you see I've got brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews and uncles and aunts and in-laws and, and all kinds of people. And so when you think of family, this is one of the images that comes to mind for me. I'm the second oldest of six kids. I'm extremely blessed with such a great family. Uh, we love getting together. We love spending time with one another. And so family is a great thing uh, for me to think about. Uh, some of you may not have that experience with your family. I know uh, some families struggle. They have issues. They have uh, disagreements. There's anger and, uh, and, and, and other difficulties. And so this may not be an ideal thing to, for you to think about when you think about families. Or, or maybe instead of your own biological family, you think about TV families, the things that you've seen on TV. What are some of the TV families that come to mind when I, I say that? Brady Bunch is... The first one I wrote down, it was the first one they said in the early service. What else? The Monsters. <laughs> the Adams Family. Okay, those are some good ones. What are some other families? Beverly Hillbillies. Okay, so do, do we get Leave it to Beaver, that family? How about the Simpsons? Any, any Simpsons family? Thinking of, how about the Kardashians? Is that the family you think about when you think about TV families? Lucy, there we go. So there's lots of uh, uh, examples of families that are out there besides our own biological family. We see so many things on TV. When I stop and think about these TV families, I wonder, though, are these healthy images of families and family relationships? 
Because to be honest, we spend a lot of time watching TV. According to the Nielsen Report, the average adult consumes, on average, five hours of TV time a day, on the average. That's a lot of content that's being pushed into us and that we're watching and that we're listening to. Um, and do you think all that watching influences you and your decisions and what you believe and how you behave? You may first say no or maybe, but the advertisers are betting that that TV watching is influencing you because advertisers are betting money and pouring money into that to make sure that whatever you're watching influences who you are and what decisions you make. I have an article from a um, marketing magazine from earlier this year that said TV ad spending will decline by 2.2% to $70 billion this year. $70 billion, you hear that? TV advertising this year. And the reason it declined is because there's no elections or big events like the Olympics or World Cup. The presidential election next year will propel TV rating back into positive growth. So, and, and that's just TV ads. That's what you see on TV. Because listen to these numbers for digital ad advertising on your tablets, on your computer, on your phone, on your Facebook ads, those kinds of things. Total digital ad spending in the U.S. will grow 19%, so listen for it, $129 billion on digital advertising. And that's different from the regular TV advertising that we're watching on average five hours a day. So advertisers are pushing their products and their ideas onto us um, to try to influence us. That's a lot of money that's being spent to influence how you spend your time and your money. And now let me ask you this. Do you think it's better to base your life and your values on something that is designed to entertain you, the TV shows, or something that's designed to generate money for other, TV, other people? That's those advertisements. Are we basing our values on what we see in those places? Or should our values be based on something else? When I stop to think about it, it, it seems overwhelming when you, when you think about all that's being pushed upon us. And I, personally, I want to react by retreating. I want to start unplugging and disconnecting from everything and everyone. But then I remember that I have a stronger source. I have a better source, a better place for my foundation that I can turn to to help me stand against what's being pushed at me. The Bible provides me a sure foundation. Jesus said, for where your heart, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want my heart to be here so that my treasure is here as well. I want to put my foundation here in the Bible. Paul reminds us in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I love this verse. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. The patterns that we see and hear about on TV, we need to renew our minds by getting into God's word so that we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. But I think we need to do more than just renew our minds. So many times we need to renew our spirits. We need to renew our souls. And a great way to renew your soul can be by spending time with family. I know I get such joy when I get to spend time with my family that I feel renewed and reju uh, re rejuvenated by spending time in family. But you may respond that your family is dysfunctional. 
That, that's possibly true. You, uh, you may agree with the poet Mary Carr who said, a dysfunctional family is any family that has more than one person in it. That could be your experience, that you feel like anytime your family gets around, it just doesn't mesh. Um, so what can we do if we have this dysfunction in our world and the secular world is telling us how families live? What can we do to help renew our souls? If I said connecting with family is a way to renew our souls. Well, I think we need to spend time with our church family our group of family that's here in this place right now. These brothers and sisters can help us experience family in a different way, in a rejuvenating way, in a renewing way. So to help renew our souls, look to our church family if we're having struggles with our biological family. But the scriptures have guidance for how the family, whether it's biological or church family, can help us have strong relationships. Hebrews 10 says this to us, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more so as you see the day approaching. See, I hear in this passage a renewing of the soul, to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Encouraging one another builds good relationships. So what's your idea of good relationships? You can probably picture in your mind, what does that look like? You can think of people that you know, oh, they have such a great relationship, a married couple or a family. Oh, they have such a great relationship. Or people at work, you probably have positive or good relationship with people at work. You can think of what those ideals are, whether it's a biological family, a church family, or a work family. You can think of what those healthy relationships look like. The series that we're starting today is called Connectivity. And I want to share with you today some pillars that will help build strong families. Five reminders of things that we can do to have stronger connectivity. I want to use a passage from the end of the Old Testament book of Joshua as part of our focus. Joshua is the story of the Israelites, God's people, entering into the promised land after wandering in the wilderness for 40 years after they left slavery in Egypt. So this passage that we're looking at today is a time of change. Uh, after wandering in the wilderness and the time of conquest in this new land, Joshua is calling the Israelites to a time of commitment. I'm going to read Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. See, Joshua wants them to know that we are a family in this new place, and that if we're going to be a family, we must have strong commitment. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Faithfulness is about being committed. So the first pillar for a family building is commitment. Strong families have a sense of team, of working together, of this commitment. When you make a commitment, and it's not just for when things are easy, you're committed to it. It's for when times are tough as well. Strong families learn that hard times will come and that they have to pull together in such times. And whether your family 
it's in your biological family or your church family, when these difficulties come, you need to work together to get through that. You need to be committed to it. You need to be faithful to it, like Joshua is calling the Israelites to be faithful to God. Uh, Some people think that marriages end because of family problems. The truth is that no family, no marriage is without problems. The key is how do you deal with those problems? My family has problems. Your family has problems. God's church family has problems because we're imperfect people. We live in a world where there are issues. It's part of life. But our response to these problems can either make us or break us. You have to be able to develop ways to deal with issues that come up in your lives, in your relationships. No marriage would survive if problems caused divorce. You must develop ways to deal with it. When you make a commitment, whether it's to your biological family or the church family, we must follow through. We must be committed to that. And we have to build up ways of coping with those issues. We can't just bury our head in the sand. We can't ignore a problem when it comes forward. We have to work together. It's a mutual kind of thing that I'm committed to making sure this relationship works within my family, within my church. I want these things to work, and we need to work together. And working together leads me to the second pillar for a strong family, is spending time together. In this passage, Joshua says, throw away the gods of your ancestors. So I see this as a way of minimizing these distractions, the things that keep us from being focused on what we need to focus on. In Joshua's case, he's telling them to throw away the gods of your past. They are preventing you from having time with your one true God. Throw away the gods of the Amorites, the gods of your ancestors. These are distractions that keep us to being able to spend time, quality time with our God. And it's the same thing about our relationships in our family. Things that distract us, that keep us from having those relationships that we need to have. When 1,500 children were asked, what makes a family happy? The most common response was doing things together. Seems pretty simple. Spending time together. And people sometimes say, okay, we can spend time together. Is Is it quality time or is it quantity time? And you know the answer to that. It's both. You can't get to the quality time unless you're spending the quantity time together. So you've got to dedicate time to one another to have quality time with one another. Uh, but, but we're quick to make excuses. We live in a you know, busy society. We've got so much going on, so many activities, so many things that pull us this way and that way. It's the same thing in the life of our church. We have so many activities pulling us this way and that way that we sometimes miss out on that quality time because these distractions are pulling us away from those relationships. And so during this series, over the next three weeks, we want to challenge you to take the time to spend in relationships, whether it's within your family or within your church family and your life group, your small group that you're part of, your Bible study. Pick something that is your big distraction for you and and make it achievable. Let's say, okay, Kelly and I are going to say, let's not watch TV at all on Thursday. So if Thursday night is usually, you know, full of five hours of TV or whatever the average is for everyone, let's take that away and spend that time together and be intentional about it to say, okay, Kelly, today's the day that we're not watching TV so that we can spend time together. Don't fill it up with another distraction. Oh, I'm going to go play golf and leave Kelly at home. 
No, we need to put away those distractions and spend the time with one another. So you think of what it is for you and your family and your relationships, and not just biological relationships, because I know some of us uh, don't have kids that are at home anymore or don't have kids. Kelly and I don't have kids. So we need to see about other relationships, relationships with our church family. How are we committed to spending time with our church family in our small group? Take away a distraction so that you can have that quality time together with your church family. 1 John 3.8 gives us the reminder, Dear children, let us, not, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And our words and action gives me pillar number three, appreciation. Joshua says, Fear the Lord and serve him in all faithfulness. Fearing the Lord is about showing God that we appreciate his goodness and love toward him. This fear, this, this word fear, is not about being afraid of something, but showing respect and honor and appreciation. Fear the Lord. And so that creates this positive relationship when we show people appreciation. Joshua is reminding the tribes of Israel of God delivering them from the slavery of the Egyptians. Don't you remember how bad it was and what God has done for us? And so Joshua is telling them, that we need to show God how much we appreciate him. Joshua is calling them to a time of worship, just like we just did a few minutes ago, a time of worship to appreciate all that has, God has done. Strong families appreciate one another. Do you tell your kids how, uh, very often how much you appreciate them? Do you do it regularly? Do you tell your church family how much you appreciate them, the groups that you're a part of, the activities that go on on a Sunday morning. Do you tell people how much you appreciate them? Wow, that was amazing. You are amazing the way God uses you in bringing that to us. Our worship team that led us in singing, they are amazing. We appreciate the work that they do to serve God in the ministry that they do. Do you spend the time to show appreciation? That will give us a strong foundation to stand upon. By encouraging one another, We've been told through our involvement in Cairo's prison ministry uh, that when you survey the men in prison, uh, that 90% of those there were told by at least one parent that they were bad and would end up in jail. 90% had that kind of negative words spoken over them. And so if we can reverse that by speaking positivity to people, to our children, to our families, to our brothers and sisters, speak words of encouragement and appreciation because you know people want it and crave that. How do you feel when somebody shows appreciation to you? Let's, let's give that to someone else. Romans 12, 9 through 13 instructs us, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. A fourth pillar for a strong family is communication. This proclamation that Joshua is making, he's communicating what he is calling them to do and communicating that they have options. If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then, then choose for yourselves. He's making it clear in this communicating that you have a choice. And communication is key. And communication involves listening as well as speaking. 
And so Joshua has heard the people. Maybe he's heard them grumble. Oh, well, I like what I've always done in the past. This is the way we've always done it. I've always worshiped this God over here. Joshua's saying, okay, I hear you. I hear you want to do that. But we have to make a choice in this communication. Is, is to, Joshua is calling them to make a choice to follow God. And so sometimes this communicating deals with making a change in ourselves. I've read that the average parent only spends four minutes a day in meaningful conversation with their children. Four minutes. And that married couples, it goes up one minute. The average is five minutes that couples spend in meaningful conversation. So when I read that, I was like, wow, we've got a lot of room for improvement. And I think that's why our date night that the marriage ministry had this last Friday night was such an awesome event, because it was designed all around this idea of communication. Uh, we had couples that came up here, and they picked up a little kit that helped uh, guide them in their, their date. Kelly and I did it. It was awesome. It was fun. We spent the night communicating with each other, talking with one another, and sharing with one another more than that average of a five-minute meaningful per day kind of conversation. Um, uh, one husband confessed, uh, my wife doesn't, says I don't listen to her. Uh, at least I think that's what she said. And another pastor tells a story about communication. A lady came to him for counseling for a divorce. The pastor asked, do you have any grounds? Oh, yeah, about nine acres south, and south of town. He said, no, no, no. I mean, do you have a grudge? Uh, oh, no, we don't have a garage. We have a carport. And he says, no, no, no. I mean, does your husband beat you up? Oh, no, no. I'm usually the first one up. I'm kind of a morning person. And he says, well, why are you having trouble with your husband? Well, he just doesn't communicate and hear what I'm saying. <laughs> so communication is a pillar to building stronger families. We, and, and in our communication, we need to listen to what is being said so that we can be able to have that conversation. Listening and talking is part of that important pillar of communication. And the last key to a strong family is spiritual health. That's why Joshua says that serving the Lord is so important because it's the one key that unlocks all the others. It gets your focus right to begin with. I really should have started with spiritual health before the other four because spiritual health has to do with me. Am I spiritually healthy? And the first step to spiritual health, J.R. talked about it right before the message, is that I need to give my life to Jesus Christ. Once I give my life to Jesus Christ, I become a transformed person. My spiritual health is going to start to increase if I've given my life to Jesus Christ. So if you've never heard that message before, I love the way JR said it. We would love to have that conversation with you. You may have just walked in off the street and never been in a church before, and all this sounds strange about talking about Jesus, but we would love to have that conversation because to us, that's the starting point. Once you give your life to Jesus Christ, then you can start to have a spiritual relationship that has health in it. And once I have a strong spiritual strength and relationship with Jesus, then I can start having these more powerful and deeper relationship with others within my family, within my church. I need to start with this foundation of spiritual health by giving myself to Jesus Christ. Because if you don't know Jesus, the first four pillars I talked about probably make common sense to you. You know, I, I recognize that I can have better relationships if I'm committed to them. And, and I recognize that 
if I want a strong relationship, I have to put time into that. Bobby, that's just common sense. I can't have a relationship if I'm not spending time with someone. And then appreciation. Oh, yeah, I know how great I feel when somebody shows appreciation to me. So that's obvious. If I want to build a relationship, I should show appreciation back the other way. And then a communication. Of course, Bobby, I understand that if I want strong relationships with my family or my coworkers or my neighbors, I have to have communication with them. I can't have any kind of relationship if we never communicate. So those first four all make sense. But having the spiritual foundation that we need to have in Jesus Christ is the foundation, the start of this relationship, that we need to get connected to Christ. And so I want to just encourage you today, if you've made that decision years ago, recommit to that decision that say, I want to get closer to Jesus so that I have the spiritual health that I need within myself to be able to have better relationships with those around me in my biological family, my blood family, and my church family. I want to be a person who shares God's love in everything I do so that more people can come to know the power that we have in our Savior, Jesus Christ. I invite you now to pray with me. Oh, loving God, thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for the commitment that he made by giving his life for us. The time that he spent here on earth experiencing what we experience. Dear God, we appreciate that gift. Help us to share that good news with others. Dear God, as we seek to grow your kingdom, thank you for healthy families. Help us to be committed to building strong families, not only our biological families, dear God, but our church family as well. Dear God, for I want to proclaim as Joshua claimed, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen.